Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Michael Fields here again on another Wednesday night. Yes, it's time for Bible study. And it's been my joy, as I always say, to come into your homes and your automobiles, wherever you are, watching or listening to this Bible study. And we have been dealing with a series, of course, many of you already know, on holiness, entitled Holiness is Still Right. And I thank God for this series, and I hope that you're getting something out of it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. You have been so good to us, made so many ways for us. And we thank you for this another opportunity to come before you for another Bible study. Bless everyone, oh God, that's already on line and those who are going to be calling in or checking in this Bible study during this hour. Bless us all, we ask through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you tonight. We are once again dealing with holiness. Holiness is still right. And our foundation scripture tonight is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. This is how it sounds. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful passage that Pastor Paul has written. And this is, of course, Paul's final prayer for the Church of Thessalonica, for the believers that he was pastoring in this city. Uh, he was praying that they would be sanctified through and through every area of their life, body, soul, and spirit, that they would live a holy life before the Lord so that they would become whole, wholly sanctified. And because of the sanctification, they would be preserved blameless. They'd be able to stand before God blameless until the return of Jesus Christ. In other words, his prayer is that they would live holy until the return of Jesus, because holiness without no man shall see the Lord. So we're still talking about the fact that um, we are holy people and God uh, wants us to be this way. Why? Because he is holy. And we're still looking at holiness, a more extensive view of holiness. And tonight we're going to be talking about the fact that holiness is the cultivating of virtues uh, holiness is or involves the leading or the following, I should say, and the leading or the urgings of the Holy Ghost. We'll also be talking about uh, overcoming sin, we'll be talking about exercising our faith. And finally, we'll close out with practicing spiritual disciplines. Let's get deeper into our lesson. First thing we're talking about tonight is the fact that holiness uh, involves cultivating virtues. And uh, a virtue, of course, is moral excellence, uh, a specific moral quality, living according to a certain standard, uh, not like any other 
and it doesn't matter, shouldn't matter how others feel or what they think, because of holiness, you have a standard. You have a specific moral excellency that you won't deviate from. Why? Because your God is holy. And because he is holy, you are holy also. So uh, we talked about having a desire last week, having a yearning, a desire, a passion. Yes, a passion because of this holiness. Now I have a passion for God. So, uh, but holiness, let's take it further, doesn't just mean I have a desire for God, but um, I love and I practice righteousness. Because remember, one of our lessons, we talked about the fact that holiness is righteousness in action. Paul taught uh, the people that righteousness of God is revealed through us, the life that we live. So um, because of this, I have a love and uh, for his holiness, and I'm practicing it day by day. And also holiness means that I am discerning right from wrong. Yes, I'm not accepting any old thing. I'm not into any old thing. I have this discernment. It doesn't represent God at all. So uh, I don't want to be a part of it. And I'm doing everything I can do to please God. Let's let's read out of First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through three. You'll find these words. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. So ye would abound more and more. You want to flourish, you have to please God. You want to be prosperous in life, and it doesn't mean money, 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 but blessed, hallelujah. Then you are to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. Amen. I'm feeling this already. But you know uh, what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Paul digs deeper in his writings, uh, and I'll, I'll leave off here on, on verse 3. I'll read it again, and I'll read it in its entirety. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, I need to briefly discuss this because uh, where the church was and where the church is today, I should even say, uh, a society where... Uh, immorality flourishes, even sexual immorality flourishes, and it's commonplace. Back then, even now, people do whatever they want to do. Uh, they live the, the life that they want to live and understand uh, he's talking to the people of God. So certain things had come into the church, just like it has today, and certain lifestyles now are becoming commonplace among the people of God. So, because the church is in the society uh, where there is immorality. This immorality has come into the church. Certain lifestyles had come in to the house of God. And uh, the apostles did not compromise with God's holiness. When you read the word of God, you'll see that the apostles did not compromise with God's holiness. And we should not either. No. We should never compromise the word of God. We should never compromise to make people feel comfortable 
in their sins, we should just simply tell the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall, well, you finish it. Of course, it will make you free. So, um, Paul never lowered the standard uh, of holiness uh, to accommodate the values or the trends of society. Values are the trends of society. He would never change the word, never water down the message, never uh, shave anything down just so he could fit into society. No, the world has to come up to the word. The word should not come down or lower its standards for the world. No, God is holy and he wants us to be holy. So um, he would rebuke. He would correct wherever he saw something outside of the vein of holiness. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and read something here uh, that Paul is discussing with the Corinthian church. Chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under power of any. In other words, I won't compromise this holiness or this word for anyone. Meats for the belly and belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body, listen, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God hath both raised up the Lord and will raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So he says, flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Paul asked the question again, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So I'd like to stay here uh, and simply say that it, it is needful for apostolic leaders to rise up. Don't be afraid uh, to preach the word of God and to preach holiness. We are not bashing. We're not judging. We're simply giving the word of God. I didn't write this. Hallelujah. All of the word, all everything that you see in the word of God is given under the inspiration of his Holy Spirit for rebuke and correction. Hallelujah. It's not all about clapping and shouting. We have to live a holy life. So I'm going to say it again. Apostolic leaders are needed today. Call the church because Paul is talking to the church. Hallelujah. Even prostitution and all kinds of uh, sexual immorality had come in to the house of God. And Paul is saying, no, this can't be in here. Uh, we are the people of God and we are living at a different standard. We're living according to the standard of holiness. So we're still dealing with the fact, hallelujah, that holiness is all about also developing and having values and morals and excellency. So 
the final note here then would be that virtues are having good habits and expressing good character. And I should change that, expressing God character. Yes, there is a, um, a priest by the name of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, who was 18th, 19th century uh, priest uh, who was well known for his writings in theology. And uh, this is how he explains holiness. I want to share it with you. Uh, he explains holiness as being the manifestation of three theological virtues or qualities, which are imputed supernaturally. This is something that God imputes upon us through the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. He does this all within a frame established by four cardinal values, hallelujah, natural values, things that come naturally with growth and maturity, even without the Holy Ghost. Uh, Sir Thomas Aquinas is saying there's certain things you don't even need the Holy Ghost for. You just know, you should know the difference between right and wrong. But since you have the Holy Ghost, since we are supposed to be led by the Spirit, then uh, living holy should not be as complicated as people try to make it. As a matter of fact, today I would say people don't even try to make it anything. They just either do it or they won't do it or they reject it or they change the rules, so to speak. But here are the values that he, he lists theologically. Theological, uh, he uses faith, he says hope and love, which is the greatest of virtues, right? Uh, I'll read 1 Corinthians, remember that verse 13, 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. But the cardinal values, hallelujah, the natural values he talks about are virtues, I should say. Prudence, which is wisdom. Uh, but Thomas Aquinas is really talking about common sense. Hallelujah. I think, uh, and, and this is a joke, I think colleges and high schools, they should offer courses in common sense because there are a lot of people that have book sense. They can, they can read a book, but they have no common sense. They can see it's wrong. They can see it's a round hole, but they have a square peg, but they'll, because of their obstinance and because of their uh, disobedience, they'll constantly try to put a square peg in a round hole. They know it won't fit, but they'll still do it. Uh, so this comes to the next one, self-control. Uh, his feeling was some, you come to prayer for deliverance, but what you really need is self-control. Now, uh, I differ with him in some areas, but I'm going to read what he wrote. Uh, he talks about fairness and honesty. And the last one, fortitude, uh, which means courage. I'll sum it up this way, uh, even without getting into all of what uh, St. Thomas Aquinas has said. Uh, about holiness. There can be no holiness. Listen to what I'm saying. There can be no holiness without morally upright and conscientious behavior that's grounded in stable character. Now, that's a whole lot I just spit out my mouth. I'm going to say it again. There can be no holiness without morally upright and conscientious behavior that's grounded in stable 
character. Now that, that sounds like a lot and it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Thank you very much. Uh, but I could sum it up like this even better. It is impossible to live holy without the Holy Ghost. Because the truth is, and you know, like I know, some people don't have no common sense. They have no sense at all. And had it not been for the Holy Ghost, you know, some of us, before we got the Holy Ghost, we had no common sense, good sense. It was a whole lot of nonsense. Yes, I feel like preaching right here. But thank God for the Holy Ghost who gives us direction, instruction, correction. Hallelujah. And how to live this life. Wouldn't even know how to love had it not been for the Holy Ghost. Broken, messed up, messed over. And the Lord filled us with the Holy Ghost. Had it not been for his Holy Spirit, we'd still be living defeated and hallelujah, destroyed in the inner man. But the Holy Ghost has lifted us up and he leads us into a path of holiness. Is it difficult at times? Yes. Like we talked about last week, because the old man and, and the old memories come and sometimes anger or disgust will be stirred up, but the Holy Ghost will pull us up pull back on the reins and teach us how to conduct ourselves even in the midst of bad situations or bad surroundings. Hallelujah. So uh, let's go further. So we have to develop the following. If we're going to live a holy life, there, there has to be a development an adding to the faith, virtue, adding to the faith, right? We're adding to it. I should not be in the same place as far as maturing is concerned that I was 20 years ago. No, 20 years ago, perhaps I was drinking milk. I shouldn't still be drinking milk like a baby 20 years later because uh, I should be able to eat meat by now. I should be mature. So the same things that bothered me 20 years ago are not bothering me now. So I'm, I'm a little stronger, a little wiser now. And holiness becomes us, right? We're, we're looking more like daddy, acting more like daddy. Hallelujah. Talking more like daddy because we spent some time with him and our livelihood, our characteristics are becoming more and more like him. So uh, we're developing these things, a desire for God, like we talked about last week, a passion for God, uh, a love of Christ, which means I don't just desire him, but I even love like he loves without dissimulation, right? I don't love one more than the other. And the next thing I'm doing good, good works, wherever my hands I, whatever it finds to do, I'm doing it to the glory of God. I'm involved in good works, not tearing people down, tearing things down, but building the kingdom up. Hallelujah. The last thing I'm developing more and more is a love of righteousness, a love for holiness. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm embracing it. I love the holiness of God. So I have a desire for him. Yes, I have the love of him. The same kind of love he has now I'm developing in my life. I'm loving people and treating them with love, right? Love, love. I should teach on love for a while. Doing good. And the last is I'm developing. We all should be developing a love of 
righteousness. Got a lot to cover. Let me move on to the next part of the lesson. Um, holiness is also following the urgings of the Holy Ghost, the urgings or the nudgings. Uh, the Holy Ghost will let you know, speak to you, or uh, give you a feeling. The Holy Ghost works. Holy Ghost is real. It's not a joke. Holy Ghost is not a fragment of our imagination. The Holy Spirit moves in our lives. And if I follow the Holy Spirit, he will lead me and guide me into all truth. So I understand that we're in a world that's full of impressions, right? Full of temptations, uh, filled with impulses. Yes, impulsive. The, the world is very impulsive. Hurry up and get it. Hurry up and do it, right? Even the way we eat, I want it right away. Uh, we have all of this inner pressure above all that other stuff. I got stuff going on inside. We have even personal promptings because your flesh speaks to you. Your flesh will say, don't pray or don't fast. So you have all of this going on and it makes it difficult to keep your footing, right? Having done all to stand, stand. It makes it difficult to keep your footing because you have all these things happening, right? The pressures of the world, uh, the impulses, the the uh, inner pressures and all of these promptings. And I'm trying to hold on, Lord. Let's get it. Let's get real. I'm trying to, to hold fast to your word. Uh, but yet in the midst of all that I just said, in the midst of all of this, uh, I see a particular truth, right? Uh, that is important to bring out in all of the things that I said. I have in my notes uh, of if it's a life. We're living a life that is supernaturalized. I love that word. My life is supernaturalized uh, at a motivational level. It's the Holy Ghost. I, I have a supernatural part of my life that, that is moving me and motivating something on the inside. Remember that song? Working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Now, in order to really understand this, there has to be a link there has to be a link in order for me to walk in what I just said. There has to be a link between the spirit uh, and the word, the spirit, Holy Ghost that's in me and the word, the Holy Ghost that's in me and the word that I should be meditating on day and night. Bible teaching, Bible study, meditating on his word. And this is where I'm going with this. Uh, this is what I mean by this. Hold on. Right. There is a danger. There is a danger in following supposedly promptings by uh, the spirit that did not coincide with God's word. Let me say it again. It's very dangerous to say the Holy Ghost said or God told me. Right. And what the Holy Ghost is saying or what a person claims the Lord is leading them to do or say or become is totally opposite or outside of the word of God. The Holy Ghost, listen to me, the Holy Ghost will never go against his own instruction. Never. Never go against his own instruction. Never, never, never. Say it with me. The Holy Ghost will never go against his own instruction. Listen, um, for instance, uh, the Holy Ghost will never tell Adam to marry Steve. 
Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going to go there. Holy Ghost would never tell Mary to marry Susan. There's no such thing as a holy abomination. There's no such thing as the Holy Ghost telling you to do something that's against the word of God. And I know there's a whole lot of lowering of, of standards and people are saying it's okay, it's okay. And they're even legislating lifestyles. But it's not in the word of God. It's not according to his holiness. Galatians 5 and 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh speaks. The flesh will tell you to move away from this. Because your flesh don't want to live holy, right? So a lot of things that we see and we witness, and listen, this is not just in the world. This stuff is in the house of God, right? There's no such thing as a holy homosexual or a holy lesbian or a holy liar or a holy backbiter. Those are the works of the flesh. Yes, and some of you might turn me off right now, but I'm going down the street. I'm coming down the middle of the street, Romans 8 and 13, right? Uh, and I, I'm, I'm coming here because sin is always striving to regain control of my life. So Paul emphasizes the necessity of continual warfare against all that would limit God's work in our lives. A lot of things that men are saying is, is okay, is not okay. I want to read something out of Romans 8, 13, right? If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I have to mortify, I have to mortify the deeds of the body. I have to, I have to mortify the deeds of my body. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves, I'm in Romans chapter 6, 11 through 19, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. My God, look at this. So, the result of failing to put to death the deeds of the flesh or the misdeeds of this body is spiritual death. Listen to this. The words, ye shall die, mean that you can pass from spiritual life back to spiritual death. If, if I don't apply the principles of holiness, I can sit in church and die spiritually, waving my hands, singing. But if I do not put to practice the word of God concerning holiness and doing the things of God, I can sit right in the house and die. My spirit can just, the flame can just go out, mortify. I'm self-humbling, self-examination, turning against the sin. Once I've discovered that I'm, I'm going in the opposite direction of his word, then I have to turn back and I have to avoid situations. I'll say it again, mortifying the deeds of the flesh. I'm humbling myself, self-humbling. I'm examining myself, self-examination. Let a man examine himself. And I'm turning against the sin once I've discovered I'm in the wrong place. I'm turning against it, against it, away from it. I'm pushing it away and I'm avoiding situations. 
avoiding situations. I'm avoiding situations. Yes. And we're living in a time where uh, we're not being taught anymore. A lot of a lot of our leaders are not teaching anymore uh, abstaining from sin, staying away from sin. They're just telling you, well, come to church, uh, pay your tithes, you'll be all right. But no, we are uh, admonished through the word of God to live a holy life. And I don't mean to bash. I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just giving you the word of God. Uh, we're supposed to live according to God's word, according to his way. And some of the things, and Paul was dealing with it uh, in Thessalonica, it's a Greek society, sexual moral, morality, even in the Old Testament, uh, where Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phineas, right, uh, were having prostitution in the church. Uh, the Bible says they were having the women right on the altar, and Eli turned the other way. And we're living in a day where many of the church are looking the other way just to appease society. But holiness is a standard. Uh, I want to please God. Uh, so when I said there's no such thing as a, a holy homosexual or, or lesbian or a liar, you, you have to decide, am I going to live in sin or I'm going to live according to God's way? No, uh, we cannot straddle the fence. I'm going to read something out of Romans chapter 1. And then I'm going to leave it right there. Move on. Chapter one. And I'll start at verse 26. It says, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Mm -hmm. And for this cause, I'm sorry. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one towards another men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness. He mentions fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. And we can go on, uh, and I don't want to veer off, but this is really part of holiness. We have to live a holy life, and we have to certainly just make decisions. And sometimes when you talk about homosexuality, people feel like we're bashing. Uh, and, you know, because not too many of us, there's not too many of us that don't have that in our families. Let's be real. We have smokers in our family. We have wife beaters in our family. We got a little bit of everything in our families, but holiness is still right. So I'm not bashing. Uh, we just have to make a decision that we're going to walk up rightly before the Lord. And the Holy Ghost is going to lead you. The Holy Ghost is not going to lead you. Now, I, I read in the New Testament scripture for those who would say, well, that's Old Testament stuff because some of you expected me to go to Leviticus where it says, uh, man shall not lie with man. Uh, it is an abomination. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead me down abomination street. No, because holiness is about pleasing God. All right, I'll move on. So um, I'm mortifying the deeds of my flesh. 
I've been delivered, but my flesh wants to act up. And Paul said, I've learned how to mortify the deeds of my flesh. So he's talking about self-humbling, self-examination, turning against sin, and avoiding situations. And uh, this is done, listen, through uh, detecting, resisting, and overcoming. Say it with me. Detect it when you see it. When you see it, you got to do something about it. You got to resist. You got to learn how to say, no, I want to please God. I don't want to do anything that's against his will and overcome, overcome. When you overcome it, that means you beat it. You didn't go there. You didn't do it. You overcome it. You rebuked it. We are overcomers to him that overcomes. When you read the book of Revelation and he's talking to the churches, to him that overcomes. God has certain promises that he wants to give to us. So we talked about mortification, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, mortification. But you don't hear too much about this, what I'm getting ready to talk about, vivification, vivification, vivification. Mortify means to bring to death, to put to death. Vivification, I'll say it again, vivification is or means to give or bring to life, to give or bring to life. This is the opposite of it. And this is what we should be doing, mortifying the flesh and vivifying. Hallelujah. Bringing more life into our lives. The more Christ we have, the more life we have. The more like Christ we become, the further away we leave who we used to be. Day by day, I'm getting further and further from it, getting closer and closer to God. Vivification is the strengthening, listen, to my notes, strengthening and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm getting strength to live a holy life. I told you earlier, I can't live it without the Holy Ghost. I can't see how people without the Holy Ghost can really live a holy life. Yes, the Holy Ghost gives me that power to live a godly life. It is a God-led growth of a believer's spiritual and moral character. The Lord is leading me to be like him. Holy Ghost is not going to lead me to be opposite of his will. Listen, uh, theologian uh, and, and the preacher by the name of John Calvin referred to both positive and negative uh, sides of sanctification. To be sanctified, this is what he says, to be sanctified means to be set apart. We know this by God. And one effect of sanctification is vivification. The other is what Calvin referred to as mortification, in which a person becomes aware of his sin and the judgment of God. I've sinned and I need to, I need to do this. Yes, and believers do err. They do make mistakes. We do. Some tend to fall in sin. Yes, if you see a man overtaken in the fault, restore such a one. Uh, when you see it and you know you've done it, and here's another lesson we're going to talk. I'm going to give you a preview of next week's lesson. Next week, we're going to be talking about living a life of repentance and this controversial in the church because there are some who feel like once you get saved, uh, you can go back and do something right. You can sin, but you don't even have to ask forgiveness because you've already been forgiven. That's like that's like hitting your mama in the head and you never have to say, I'm sorry. 
because she already told you, I love you, I forgive you, uh, but you don't, you don't never say I'm sorry. You don't have to acknowledge. So we're going to talk about that next week. Hold on to that. Uh, living a life of repentance is really controversial uh, in the church. I don't know why, but it is. Let me go back. So then the awareness that I've done something wrong, right? If you know you've done wrong, say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done it. That's next week. Let me go back. This awareness produces a fear of reverence, even a sorrow. I feel remorse. I feel bad about what I did, Lord. I shouldn't have done it. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Blot out my transgressions. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's what you do, child of God. You don't just get up all willy-nilly after you've done something you know was wrong. and Totally out of God's character. Get it right. Same altar you got it from. You have to go back and say, Lord, I've done right. That's what the altar is all about. The altar is all about killing my flesh. I'm bringing it to you, Lord. I'm bringing myself to you. I've done wrong. So because I'm living holy and I, and I want to be holy. And this is about now mortifying the deeds of the flesh. And I want the life of God renewed and restored. This awareness produces a fear or reverence, a sorrow and anguish. It is these emotions that compel a person. Listen to this. It's these emotions that compel a person or a believer to hate sin. Not only do I hate sin in others, I don't hate people, but I hate the sin, but we hate the sin in us too. I've done wrong. There's a whole lot of people that talk about other people and never look at the mess in their own lives. That's not holiness. Take care of yourself first before you can preach to me. Get yourself right. Get your soul right. Hate the sin in you and seek God's forgiveness. I'm going to give you scripture because some of y'all are looking at the TV like you don't believe what I'm talking about. Yes. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. My, my, my. Yes. So uh, let's look at this. I want to talk about this a little further. I'm feeling this and I love you for, for tuning in and connecting with us. Discovering, let's discover the principles of what I said in scripture because, and we're looking at a passage now that will help us understand more about the role and importance of vivification in our lives. Uh, so as we read Colossians, go to Colossians chapter two, verse eight, and it's a whole lot of reading. It's really, when you get time, read chapter two of Colossians, Colossians chapter two verses from verse eight, all the way through chapter three, verse four. Beware lest any man uh, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands 
in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead, dead in your sins, vivification. If I'm dead in my sins, then I'm alive unto Christ. Yes, he's quickened together with him. We are quickened together with him. We're made alive with him, having forgiven all trespasses. I'll read that verse again. That's verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. That's another lesson, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. It's a whole lot of reading. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and not knit together, rather, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If, I'm in chapter three now, and I'll read through Verse four, if you then be risen with Christ, if you have been risen with Christ, you're dead to sin, right? And you're, you're mortifying the deeds of the flesh and you continue to be risen with Christ because if you're dead to sin, then he's rising you up. If you then be risen with Christ, then this is what you should be doing. This is vivification. You should seek those things which are above. I'm seeking those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things, hallelujah, above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Holy Ghost makes me alive, and I want to stay alive. In order for me to stay alive, I've got to mortify the deeds of the flesh. So I'm dead. The old man is supposed to be dead and stay dead. When you were baptized in his name, you left that old man behind. Hallelujah. Don't let that old man get about the water and come back. No. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a song in my spirit right now. I'm running for my life. Hallelujah. It don't mean that I'm scared, but I'm running and I'm running towards God. I want to get closer to him because I, I died and I'm alive because of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want anything to put the fire out. I want to stay alive. I want what God has put in me, hallelujah, to be stirred up and bring me into a place where 
Hallelujah. On that day, I can stand before him face to face. Holiness without no man shall see the Lord. So um, this whole passage that I read of Colossians, uh, I read the whole thing. Thought I wouldn't, but I did. Colossians 2 and 8 started from Colossians 2 and 8, excuse me, all the way to chapter 3, verse 4. There are eight things, eight questions that that are stirred up by what I just read. Eight. I'm going to read them. Passage talks about how we should think. Passage talks about what kinds of thoughts we should avoid. Thoughts I should avoid if I want to live holy. Passage that I just read uh, talks about the root of our thoughts. Talks about what kinds of things we should think about, yes, the passage also uh, talks about how we should live or walk. When the Bible talks about walking in the spirit, it's talking, it means to live in the spirit, yes. When the Bible talks about conversation in the New Testament, it means your conduct or behavior. So uh, the seventh question that stirs up is, uh, the kinds, what kinds of behavior should you avoid? What kinds of behavior should I avoid? And the, the eighth question it stirs up is what kinds of behavior should I train myself to engage in? That's a powerful question. What kind of behavior should I train myself to be engaged in? We're not going to answer these questions tonight. But I just want you to hold on to it. I'll read it one more time for those of you who are listening. And you know, you can get a copy of my notes also by tapping on the link. Uh, Brother James and Bre Brother Craig have been helping me out with that. If you want a, a copy of these notes that I've been using in Bible study, you can tap on the link that they've been sending out and it'll pop up in front of you. You can print them out. Uh, but the eight questions, what does this passage say about how we should think? What kind of thoughts should we avoid? What kind of thoughts should we train ourselves to think? Where should we root our thoughts? What kinds of things should we think about? What does this passage say about how we should walk or live? What kinds of behavior should we avoid? And the eighth question, that's eight. Yeah, that's eight. <laughs> What kinds of behavior should we train ourselves to engage in? Let's go to the next session of the lesson. Uh, of course, there's, there's a part of holiness always because we're walking in holiness where we should exercise faith. The just shall live by faith. And holiness always involves the exercising of faith. It always involves the exercising of faith, uh, and we exercise it by praying for specific benefits. There are benefits to holiness. I want to talk about a little bit about this, but I'm not talking about name it, claim it kind of stuff. No, because the benefits of holiness are a lot greater and deeper than money in my pocket, the car that I drive. That's and That kind of stuff are the fringe benefits. That's the gravy. But the benefits of holiness are a lot deeper than what I drive, what I wear, and what kind of house I live in. Hallelujah. It, it involves the richness of my soul. 
Hallelujah. The strengthening of my soul. Listen, there are a whole lot of rich people in the world that don't have the Holy Ghost. They're not complete. They're not whole. Right. And I can't take any of that stuff that some of these preachers are pushing in front of you. You got to have this car. You, you got to have this money. If you don't have this, you're not blessed. And you're going to leave all of that behind. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and turn around and lose your soul? You say, Bishop, you're old school. No, I'm school, period. This is just Bible. This is just Bible. And things have changed over the years. People are looking for stuff when you should be looking for God. People are chasing stuff when you should be chasing after God. Not a sermon, just a thought. So holiness involves praying for specific benefits of uh, holiness. And I want to call it a promise-focused faith. A promise, say with me, a promise-focused faith. And this is what a promise-focused faith is about, is when you're looking for and trusting God, looking for and trusting God for the fulfillment of his precious promises. My God, I love this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers, listen, partakers of the divine nature. There are promises. I'm praying for specific promises. And, and Peter says it allows us to be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There are promises God has for us. I, I want to dig into those promises. I want them to be unwrapped in my life so I can be a partaker of God's divine nature. That's powerful. And if I can be a partaker of God's divine nature, that means I'll escape the corruption. I'll escape the devastation. I'll escape the judgment that is in the world through lust. Because the things of the world will eventually fade away, even be destroyed. Hallelujah. But if I hold on to the things of God, living this holy life, praying concerning, hallelujah, the promises of God, promise-focused faith. And I'm not talking about, Lord, you promised me a new car. You know, hallelujah, you promised that you would do things for my soul, for my inner man. The outward man perishes, but the inner man is renewed day by day. And Peter is helping us tonight right now. He said, I, it, they've been given unto us exceeding and great precious promises. What are they? I want to know what they are. We should be seeking for that, praying for that. Lord, what do you, what do you have for me? What kind of blessings do you want to release, hallelujah, into my spirit, man, so I can be more and more like you, so I can be pleasing to your sight? He said, it's divine nature. And if I have all of this, I'll escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, hallelujah. So as a believer, I partake in the very nature of God. Walking in this holiness, I, I begin to partake of the very nature of God. God is a holy God. His nature comes out of holiness. He's a holy God. So I cannot hold on and say I'm like God. Hallelujah. God is not a homosexual. 
God is not a lesbian. God is not a liar. God is not a fornicator. God is not a gossiper. That's not his nature. So Peter said, I want to be like him. I want to be like, I know y'all don't like me tonight. I want to be like him. I partake in the very nature of God. Now sharing, I'm sharing in God's very nature, excuse me, is a description. And what, I, what I'm describing is regeneration. He can deliver you from anything, any kind of life you've lived before. Hallelujah. Those of us who are saved, some of us were worse than the worst. You better know it. Some of us were worse than the worst. Gangsters, homosexuals, murderers, all kinds, gangsters doing all kinds of stuff. And God saved us. Paul said, such were some of you. He saved us. The Holy Ghost can break any chain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then when we get the Holy Ghost, we, he regenerates us. He regenerates us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what is he? A new creature. Lord, I'm feeling this. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So a little bit more about the promise-focused faith. It glorifies God, promise-focused faith. It glorifies God by honoring his faithfulness and forms the soul in a Godward attitude. I'm honoring him for his faithfulness. He didn't leave me in my sins, right? Because truth is, even while we were in sin, we could have died in our sins, but he kept us, hallelujah, and enabled us to come into this salvation. And I hear the writer of Hebrews say, then now that you're saved, how can you neglect so great a salvation? So I honor his faithfulness by the life that I'm living and I'm forming in my soul a Godward attitude. Hallelujah. And I'm realizing that I have to depend on God. I can't do this on my own. I can't live outside of God. I can't move ahead of God. I have to be led by God. God. And here's the mistake that some of us make because we're trying to do it outside of God, run away from God. Hallelujah. We even say things that God didn't say. Uh, we have to be led by him. So this is a dimension of holiness. Simply put, this is a dimension of holiness where I am trusting, hoping, and resting in God alone. No one else. I'm trusting God. I'm hoping in God. And I'm resting in God. Hallelujah. I'm laid back in his word and in his ways. I'm going to be like my daddy. And I'm not ashamed of it. Yet, I'm a child of God. Yet, that's who I am. Just as proud as you are of your natural family, you should be proud of your godly family. I'm a child of God. So I'm going to close out with this. I don't want to hold you too much longer. But I want to close out with this. Um, we have to then practice certain spiritual disciplines. We have to practice certain spiritual disciplines. And um, a discipline can be defined as being a, a particular instruction, um, a training that corrects us, or certain rules that we will not break, right? Uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. 
I got your word. And when I get ready to go in the wrong direction, your word springs up in my spirit and says, no, that's the wrong direction. And it develops a discipline and I'm living according to those disciplines. So there are inward disciplines. There are outward disciplines. Right. Um, and there are corporate disciplines I want to talk about. And then we'll close out. The inward discipline is where I'm meditating, I'm praying, I'm fasting, and I'm studying the word of God. Give them to you again. Inward, the inward disciplines. And we should not stray from these. Meditation. David said, I meditate on his word both day and night. Prayer. Mm-hmm. And fasting. Some things come through prayer and fasting. These things, I should say, Jesus said. Some things won't move until you pray and fast. And studying God's word, God's holy word. That's the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines. Simplicity. I'll explain that. Simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. Right? Now, um, Solitude, submission, and service are easy. But you say, well, what is simplicity? Simplicity, this is what I have. Simplicity is an inward reality. An inward reality that results, listen to this, an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. I need to spend some more time with this. You have the discipline of simplicity. You have the Holy Ghost. I want to please God. I have the discipline of simplicity where um, I have an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. And when you have this inward reality, knowing your limitations, knowing what you can afford. Some of you never knew this. And I'm not going to live beyond my means. I'm not trying to compete with others when I'm living within the means that Christ has me in. So I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. Simplicity. If I can't afford it, I don't need it. It must not, must not be what God wants me to have. If God wanted me to have a, a $20 million home, he would have allowed me to have a $20 million home, but I'll be satisfied with the home because it's what God gave me. It costs $200,000, right? I don't have a butler or my maid. I have a discipline of simplicity. I don't see what others have and say, I want that. You don't know what they had to go through to get it. You don't even know how much it costs. It just looks good. It's shiny. So I got to have it. You can't live like that. No. Holiness brings about a discipline. And I'm not, there's no gaudiness where, right, I'm trying to be like the world. Well, they wear it tight, so I'm going to put it on tight. No, nope, I'm not imitating the world. I'm imitating the nature of my father. And there is discipline that comes with holiness. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that it means don't comb your hair and brush your teeth. That's the extreme that we were talking about last week. But the discipline of simplicity means I have this inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle where I'm not living beyond my means. I'm living within the means that Christ has afforded me to live. And when he's ready to give me an increase, hallelujah, the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. I'm going to get off of that 
I probably need to come back and teach on simplicity a little more, right? Uh, because the Bible talks about that um, holiness with contentment is great gain. Powerful. Holiness with contentment is great gain. The final discipline is a corporate discipline. A corporate discipline. This involves all of us, right? A corporate discipline involves confession, accountability, right? You want to be a part of a ministry or you want to be a part of a body of believers, but there's no accountability, right? You have an attitude that you don't have to answer to nobody. I'm grown, not even God. You don't answer to nobody, right? So you you are disobedient to leadership, disrespectful to leadership, but you're holy, right? But there's a corporate discipline and holiness and walking up right before the Lord where you are accountable, obey those that have rule over you, right? Honoring those that have, it doesn't mean worship. That's the extreme that we talked about last week. Don't worship your leaders, but if you're holy, you're going to honor and respect and be obedient to your leaders. Even Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. Leaders are put in the church for a reason. We got a whole lot of people in the holiness church that disrespect leadership and they hika messiah. You got the prayer cap on and you're doing all this, but you disrespect leadership. You even badmouth the leadership. Hallelujah. Like they did Moses. If you keep that up, God is going to deal with you. I'm going to get off that too. Corporate discipline involves confession, accountability, worship, guidance. Hallelujah. That's that's the leadership part. Accountability, leadership part, obeying leadership and celebration. That's praise. We worship together. We praise together. Hallelujah. As a corporate body. But in that corporate body, the, the disciplines also are confession. Confess your faults one to another. Why isn't there enough trust between brothers and sisters? Right. Uh, and that's another lesson, but it's all part of holiness, too. We should be able to trust one another, come to one another, pray for one another. That's a part of holiness, too. Right. Um, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Uh, and it goes on and it goes on. Um I'm, I'm feeling this and at the same time, my mind is going in different places, but I must stick to this. Let's let's close out with the main scripture. First uh, Thessalonians 523 and the very God of peace sanctify you. holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in holiness. And I'm praying. Paul said that God will sanctify you wholly. Every area of your life will be sanctified. You'll be holy and walk uprightly before him. You do all you can to please him, spirit and soul and body, spirit and soul and body. Say it with me. Your spirit, your soul, and your body will be preserved, right? Spirit will be preserved. Body will be preserved. I'm sorry, preserved where you won't give your body to the world. But you'll bring your body as a living sacrifice. I'm in the word. You'll bring, Lord, this is your body. 
I'm bringing it to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If I can hold on, he said, then uh, you'll be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holiness is for everybody. Holiness is for everybody. It's not an option. First Peter 1.16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's a requirement. It's a requirement, and we must live according to God's standard. I'm going to stop here. Don't want to hold you too long, but uh, if you would like to be a blessing to this ministry, you haven't paid your tithes over the weekend and you'd like to do it now, you may do so. Uh, Brother Craig will put it on the screen, those instructions on how you can give and plant into this ministry. And those of you who have been watching and faithfully in, uh, in our sister church, Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, you may use Givelify, amen, and be a blessing to the ministry. It is my joy and honor to pass to you as well. Those of you who have been watching us uh, who may not be a part of the ministry, but we've been a blessing to you, uh, please uh, utilize the instructions on the screen. Those of you in the New York area, uh, other areas, wherever you are, you may use Givelify as well and be a blessing to this ministry uh, so we can continue the work that the Lord has given us to do. I, I want to pray with you as we close out in prayer. Um, holiness, for some reason, has become a controversial subject. Um, and some don't even want to discuss it anymore, but holiness is necessary. Uh, not only is it still right, but holiness is necessary. Uh, if you've been listening to me and you want to give your life to the Lord, uh, send a, a request. Uh, say, Pastor Fields, I want to be saved. I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to the Lord. Send it to send this to admin at grtdc.org. I want to contact you. I want to pray with you. Um, we'll let you know what you need to do, where you can go to be baptized. If you're close enough, you can be baptized right here at the temple. We'll make arrangements for that to happen. I want you to know that even in the pandemic, Jesus saves. Even in the midst of a pandemic, Jesus can change your life. Come to him. Come to the Lord and follow him down this path of holiness. I want to pray for everyone. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. I pray, Lord, for everyone who has connected with this Bible study tonight, that you would stir something up in them. Oh God, that we'll examine ourselves that we'll humble ourselves. If there's anything wrong, we'll bring it to you and say, Lord, make it right. Don't know how much time we have left on this earth, but we've got to be right, got to be holy, got to get ourselves together because you're coming and you're coming soon. Help everyone that's under the sound of my voice, everyone that's listening to me, everyone that's watching me. Stretch forth your hand, touch every man, woman, boy, and girl. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this has been this week's lesson. I've enjoyed sharing the word of God with you. And if you have any questions or concerns, also use um, admin at grtdc.org and I'll get right back to you. 
and of also um, if you don't have a church home, you're not a member of anyone's church, uh, and you want to make Greater Refuge Temple here in D.C. or uh, Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx uh, your place of worship, you want me to be your pastor, uh, send that request to me and I'll let you know what you need to do. Admin at grtdc.org. Now, um, if you are a member of a church, you are a part of a family of believers, hallelujah, I want you to support your local assembly. Be supportive. Uh, don't walk away. Don't be discouraged during these times. Uh, but stay connected in every way, spiritually, financially. Support your, your ministry. Hallelujah. It's the right thing to do because that's where you eat. That's your leader. Be prayerful and be careful and be holy. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you again on next week.